Um, if you ever want to come and approach me for work, um, I will never appoint a consultancy firm that isn't giving me a diverse team. Um, and I have turned down some big consultancies on that basis. It's simple, right? If I'm trying to appoint a consultancy firm to work with me on some thought leadership, for example, I don't want thought leadership from an undiverse team. Because the 25th of March is Tolkien Day, we decided to explore all of the stuff that helps make a fellowship in the workplace, whether it's culture, hiring people, whatever it is that helps you build brilliant teams. To help us do that, we're talking to the co-founder of Hire, Jason Waterman, and then a chat with Hetty Barkworth Nanton, the chief exec at Plowshare Innovations. This is Tech Talks, your weekly technology podcast, hosted by myself, David Savage, brought to you and powered by the Harvey Nash Group. Hope you enjoy the show. So today is Tolkien Day. Who's read Lord of the Rings? Anyone geeky? No. no. See, see the movies. See the movies. See I the had movies. to watch the movies at school for English. Did you have to do that? No. no. You had to watch the films for English. Yeah, we had to watch the films for English. Because I, oh. I wouldn't have chosen to watch them off my own back. But I just remember there was big, like, trees that used to walk around. Have I got the right Ents. films? Is that right? Yeah. I oh, okay. I, 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 I'm a geek. Very much not a closet geek. I have read The Lord of the Rings. I'll tell you what. It's actually... <laughs> It's dire. It's really fucking boring. Um, Tolkien is not the best writer in the world. Hobbit, good read. Lord of the Rings, there are pages and pages and pages where you just want to stab your own eyes. Oh, mm. but yet you read the whole thing, Dave. I was 14. It was one of those things. It's like, <laughs> got to read this book. <laughs> so you probably did best by watching the Peter Jackson films. Cool. Uh, yeah, the, the films are good. Yeah. Council of Elrond in the book just goes on and on and on. It's like, please, for God's sake, like Tolkien just gets obsessed with talking about moss for long periods of time. It's very frustrating. Mm. Um, anyway, that aside, the reason why we're talking about it is because we thought we'd have a whole podcast episode about finding your fellowship and riff on that about finding people and culture. Um, the wow. most tenuous <laughs> link ever. Dave, how have you managed to connect the two? I will never know. That is... Impressive, but also I, I can't imagine. Fellowship of the Ring, Never. fellowship, culture, team, people. There we go. Yeah. From Tolkien to recruitment in about seven very meandering steps. No, I like, I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. I, I see what you're doing. Impressive. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's a lot less boring. Yeah, fair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. So the first interview is with Jason Waterman. He is uh, founder of Hire, H-Y-A, Hire.Work. We'll hand over to that interview. We'll come back with some commentary afterwards. So this morning, I'm chatting to Jason, co-founder of Hire, H-Y-A. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. How are you? Good, good. Not jealous of the fact that you're just back from Mexico, but never mind. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the tan's got a, a couple more days before it starts to fade away dramatically. Well, it might not fade. We've got sunshine. We have sunshine. I know. It's it's season, seasonably Starting warm. In. Yeah, yeah, shining in. Again, I, I worry that it's going to be raining by the beginning of the next week. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, before we get into anything else then, who are Hire? Yeah, so Hire is something that we've been we've been working on for seven or eight months now. So myself and, and my co-founder, Michael, have been in the recruiting HR people industries for, well, kind of 40 years between the two of us. And within that time, we've worked with worked with and for a whole bunch of different businesses, primarily in the last kind of five or six years in the startup world. And we, 
as our careers have progressed and perhaps as, as we've got older and grumpier we've become more and more frustrated with the the tools that are out there to recruit and to um, manage your employees and and take employees from you know job application through to offboarding um, we just find them really really clunky and given how um, how great so many startups are at building brilliant products that have great UI that their users enjoy using we just didn't really feel like there was any recruiting tools out there that did that as well for startups as they are doing for their customers so we got to work on on hire in the summer of last year to try and build initially an applicant tracking um, system so a recruiting tool for for startups primarily so that they can manage their entire processes again we we just felt that companies of 50 people and less were, were really underserved, whether that be price um, or whether that's just they need something clean and, and they don't need 500 features right at the beginning. Um, we wanted to build something that, that would, would match that need and, and hopefully serve an underserved market. Um, the idea longer term is, is, is much, much bigger than that. And, and we've got a really big blue sky vision of where we can take the product. You know, we would like eventually for companies of all sizes, but but still focused on those small businesses to be able to manage that entire employee process um, from from start to finish. You know, as I say, from job application all the way through to offboarding, perhaps even a little bit further from there, references and, and things like that in the in the longer term. But that's that that blue sky vision is probably a a little while, a little way off. So look, you make an interesting point that there aren't too many platforms around, or there hadn't been in this space. I, I suppose I'd, I'd maybe argue that there's a there's quite a few now for employee engagement yeah but um yeah the 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 recruiting piece perhaps less so differentiating from the big kind of ats systems of of yesteryear you you mentioned you're targeting companies of less than 50 people they don't want 500 features what features do they want when you talk about a clean process yeah. what are they looking for yeah, it's a good question. I, I think the the big feedback that we're that we're getting from our early early testers and then also early users is that um, the UI is good. So whilst that in itself isn't isn't a feature, I think a lot of the time um, customers are signing up to platforms and they just don't enjoy the UI. They some of them do still. Look, there's lots of great products out there, right? And and that's there's, there's tons of things that are really suitable for other businesses that are awesome and that work really well and look great. But for startups that are mobile first or have a particular branding, the, the UI that they see on lots of these products is, is not great. So that's a major one and something that we've placed a ton of emphasis on getting right is making sure that people enjoy looking at, at these products, as simple as that sounds. Um, but then simplistic things like being able to move candidates through um, an interview process with relative ease. Uh, again, I've I've used lots of products where, like advertising a job and then moving people through stages. So leaving feedback after an interview, finding their CV, progressing them to the next stage, inviting your colleagues to interviews. All those sorts of things that should be really really easy are actually a little bit a little bit difficult to do in some of these these products. So we wanted to make moving candidates through the process, leaving clear and clean feedback, really, really accessible. Um, and as like one of the main features. So as soon as you log into hire, you're presented with a roles page. The first thing you do within a roles, uh, within a, you know, a specific role is that you see a Kanban board of, of candidates and, and, and of interview stages. And you can see exactly who is at what stage, how long they've been there, when their last interview was, what their overall feedback rating is. 
all in one really clear card, um, which we found using these products in the past, it actually takes more than one click. Quite often it takes, you know, three or four clicks, then you have to go back to the beginning and then another five, whereas we wanted to just make that as clean and clear as possible. Mm. Um, we've also lent really heavily into the fact that that myself and, and Michael, my co-founder, have been in this industry for a really, really long time. So there's a lot of stuff that we know, good and good and bad, you know, how to write job descriptions, how to pay people the right amounts, what interview processes should look like. So we're trying to collate as much of that as possible and build what we're calling a knowledge hub. So anyone that gets, anyone that uses Hire has access to that knowledge hub um, and that's increasing. That's written content, is videos. We will hopefully do some audio and, and animation as time goes on and we find people that can that can do that and 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 build a great kind of library for, for us with our content. But that is already kind of 20 articles, as I say, things like how to pay, for, pay people, how to conduct interviews, so really, really basic stuff. But first-time founders won't necessarily have that experience. So what do you write in a job description? How do you interview people? All that sort of lovely stuff. So that is something that we're, we're putting a ton of kind of time and, and focus into as well. And you do mention there that you're kind of targeting first-time founders, perhaps. What about the recruitment industry? I mean, this could, you know, if you get into one or two of the big recruiters who are obviously targeting that market as well. That could be a great way of suddenly finding your product in, a, in any number of different uh, environments. Yeah, definitely. And and in all honesty, the, the the agency market wasn't something that we put a ton of, of, of thought process into initially, but we're already getting tons of, of interest, both from recruitment agencies and then internal recruiting teams as well. Obviously, there's more and more recruiting, internal recruiting teams now than there ever has been, right? So yep. we are thinking at it both in a way of, you know, people that are, you know, CEO of a 20 person tech business who's never done interviews before. There's there's tons of content for, for those sorts of people. But actually we've ran and managed and sat in internal recruitment teams ourselves for 10 years as well. So we've got tons of, of knowledge there on how to manage your stakeholders, how to build employer brand, how to attract the best talent. So we're building kind of additional knowledge hub content for that, but then also additional features. So for recruitment agencies, how do you manage your client base how do you um keep a track of the candidates that you've spoken to in the past all, all that sort of stuff as well so the, the feature base is is growing as well something that we've spoken about on this podcast on quite a few occasions now is bias minimizing bias in the hiring process um what information are you pulling into the the platform in terms of candidate information have you have you kind of rethought well hang on a minute should it be a CV? Because the CV would probably be the easiest thing to import. But at the same time, lots of lots of unwanted bias, lots of um, additional information that maybe isn't relevant. What's what's that process been like in terms of? Hang on a minute. What's important to capture? Yeah. So we we make it. We're trying to make everything as kind of customizable as as possible for our our users. So within the um, application screen so when candidates are making an application our customers can customize as much of that as they want so you know they can say all they need is a name or a phone number or an email if they want to go as as you know as stripped back as that um, they can say cv they can say cover letter any sort of url so github repos or linkedin urls or portfolios anything like that that's all kind of fully you know you can toggle all of those options on or off one of the things that we're working on at the moment the features team is is kind of anonymizing candidates as well so it's a tricky one but it's something that we're trying to look at how do we strip some of the really obvious biases up whether that's name nationality education 
um, you know, length of career. So they're talking kind of ageism and things like that. So we're, we're trying to, to strip some of that back and, and, and kind of block some of those parts out for the customers that, that want that stuff as well so that we can make candidates anonymous. Um, mm. But the big thing for us is to make the process um, and then the application process in itself as customizable as, as possible so that actually customers that are really tuned into that you know, bias reduction can reduce it as much as they as they possibly can as well. Now, there's a hell of a lot of technology going in there. And, and you mentioned yourself that you and your co-founder have got, what, 40-odd years in the recruitment sector. I have got quite a lot of experience in the recruitment sector, and I am the least technical person you are likely <laughs> to find, despite hosting a technology podcast, uh, hence it never being particularly deep tech. Um, how's that transition been? Because you're probably having to have conversations that are at the limits of your understanding about what can and can't be done, right? Yeah, I mean, often they're way beyond my limits as well, to, to be <laughs> honest. And, and you know, Nick, who's our CTO, who, who's, who's an awesome guy, tries to dumb it down as, as much as humanly possible for, for Mike and I, but there's still times where we just don't really have a clue what, what he's talking about. So a lot of a lot of my time is spent on um, working with, with Bobby, who's our, um, she, she does a lot of things, but UX and, and research primarily. So a lot of my time is, is spent with, with her um, figuring out that whole research piece obviously we have we have a ton to add just just from being in the industry so long but we're 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 biased in some areas on on what we think is a great product so we spend a lot of time trying to do that kind of user research uh figuring out actually are we going in the right direction um we (laughs) it's kind of like a a spoke there's there's so many spokes to to where we could have gone so we've sort of touched on so many different areas so so the big part for me at the moment is figuring out actually what is our roadmap where are we going to go what is it that we need to build what's important what's not important so very very basic level of of product management i guess in the last few months as well just helping the guys and and girls figure out what it is that actually we want to build What, what do we need to build what's important for mvp and for finding kind of product market fit um, and then starting to think about, you know, what does what does high look like in six months, twelve months, eighteen months time, um, without trying to build everything all at once. Um, so the big thing for me is is understanding like the velocity of how what we have is a, a very small team. So two engineers and and a designer plus plus Mike and myself and and then a, a person on marketing as well. So just understanding the velocity of of how hard we can push the team what they're comfortable with and and just kind of figuring out what that roadmap looks like so learning curve has been unlike anything else in my life let's be let's be honest it's a great sales pitch as well when you're talking to your potential customers if they are first-time founders with under 50 staff to say hey we're going through it too <laughs> yeah i mean that's that that is honestly what we've been talking to them about as well yeah. right that you know we 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 understand the problems that you're going through with both from building a a startup because we're doing a software startup for the first time in our lives. So we're going through that experience. We've gone through the experience of how hard it is to hire people into a startup that potentially no one's ever heard of or that the people aren't interested who wants to come and build a recruiting platform. You know, it's, it's all those sorts of things that, that we're going through with them. But we also say to them that we will grow with you as well. So as your startup gets bigger, hopefully we'll have more features to offer you. We'll have a bigger team to be able to deal with more customer requests or, or bugs mm. in, in, in those sorts of cases as well. So the idea is that hopefully we grow alongside the startups that we're working with and, and vice versa as well. So I suppose the last thing that I'd, I'd want to really ask you on this point then is what would your advice be if 
you are someone who has an idea. You know, let's face it, all, all good startups are predicated on that idea of here's a problem, what's the solution? Um, increasingly, a lot of those solutions have to be tech enabled. A lot of the people who are asking those questions might not be technologists themselves. What's your advice to them? Yeah, it's a good question. I think there's there's a few a few different answers I could give just from from my own learnings. I think the the big one for us is that it wouldn't have worked if it wasn't an industry that we knew and loved and had worked in for a really really long time. You know, coming up with a tech idea um, is obviously hard enough in itself, but then also figuring out how to build it with no no kind of real um, like use cases for yourself. And there's no the, the big thing for us was that it was an itch that we were trying to scratch and we couldn't quite figure out how to do it. And the only option really for us was to try and do it ourselves. Um, so so having a passion for for what it is that you want to build and want to work in, I think is is a massive one. Um, the, the other main things for us is that we spent a ton of time talking to people before we really, really committed to it. So again, we're lucky that we've worked with lots of super smart people. We know lots of recruiters. Um, through our other business people club, we were able to, kind of speak to customers and and candidates and all that sort of stuff just just really tapping into the market understanding pain points what people loved what people hated what they wanted to see and what what they needed in their platform so we spent a lot of time doing that but then also we were able to to tie ourselves up with with three advisors with with hire who have been amazing and they cover all the things that we know absolutely nothing about so strategy and commercial and fundraising uh, and we've got marketing and then we've got product so we're really lucky to be able to tap into those sorts of networks so i think doing a lot of research spending a lot of time deep in your in in your sector that you're thinking about is really really important but then also tapping into your own network perhaps and finding people that mm. that can offer you advice um is really important because there's tons of advice out there all the time and, and it's not always not always fit for the person that you are um, so I think finding people that you're on a similar page to mentality-wise that can offer you that knowledge and experience has, has been massive for us. It's been really, really helpful. No, it's been it's been great to chat to you about this. It sounds like it's it's certainly uh, meeting a need in the market right now, especially as we we move into an increasingly um, a permanent distributed working environment. Um, if someone is interested in finding out a bit more about Hire, uh, as we said, H Y A, how would they find out? more yeah best place to go is is hire.work um so that's that's has a whole bunch of information on what it is that we're doing how we're doing it a few kind of demo videos uh links obviously to our, to our socials and, and everything but yeah hire.work would be the, the best place perfect jason i hope the tan stays because it'll mean that we've all got good <laughs> weather and thanks for your time this morning cross. thank you very much Right, guys, you're both recruiters. It's another ATS. How do you feel about listening to Jason talking about his latest ATS? Uh, definitely, definitely seems a lot easier, like how he described it and stuff. Um, we obviously use a lot of ATSs um, in our job, and I'll be honest, my uh, ATS and admin skills aren't the best. So, really, spoke, yeah, I'm shocked. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Um, you know, any anyone who's in my team listen to this can probably vouch for that. Um, but he, he talked about like the the kind of UI and the the mobile first approach, which yeah. I think is so much better because rather than having to, you know, kind of have logins and all this sort of stuff, if you could just access it from an app from your phone, things get done a lot quicker, and especially in a, an agile age, um, of the one that we are in at the moment and post pandemic, I think 
yeah, if if you can get stuff done over a mobile phone, I think it's it's very very good. Um, so I like it. I like that element to it rather than the old school sit there, type your login, put in a security password, then go in, then attach files, then do this. It's just, you know, a lot slicker, a lot quicker, um, I think. I think the fact the guys have obviously worked in recruitment as well makes a big difference because they obviously know some of the pain points, obviously work with loads of different systems, and then they've obviously just kind of gone and pitched a solution or found a solution and obviously sort of created this for themselves. So it's not coming from someone who's never done recruitment and never worked with these things. So obviously someone who's sort of know these quite well knows how to sort of like he said make it a bit slicker and just easier for the user and I think it is just the whole like he he talks quite a lot about like the interface and the interface mm-hmm. is just quite it's quite simplistic it's really sort of easy to use it's not you know flashy and trying to get loads of sort of gimmicky stuff in there for the sake of it like it is just quite you know click this and you'll get this and and it's just quite self-explanatory which I think in this job you know I'm not saying was simple but it's you know, we, we want that, don't we? We just want it quite sort of easy for us to use. I, I mean, I think Akisha's, um, uh, it's, well, it's not confidential, you just told everyone, uh, but your confession that you're not very good at admin is yeah. every every recruiter, isn't it? I mean, I was awful at admin. I yeah. hated admin. And the only thing I can think is that um, any system which which kind of helps because I don't, because a lot of a lot of talent people in organisations are ex recruiters as well. It's mm. not a strength, and anything that helps on that front is gonna be a winner. Yeah, exactly. And anything that makes it easier for you as the recruiter, um, I think, is is an add on. Because a lot of the times, uh, and, and I see this, and I'll be honest, you you see a lot of the times you see all this admin stuff as a you know as a hindrance to your job rather than yeah you know a a, a, a pain of, in the ass that slows yeah. it down yeah, yeah exactly. and times are times are high is important yeah exactly and and also you you kind of just you know you you, you back yourself as well it, oh I, i'll remember this i'll remember that um as i say that i'm currently flicking uh two three notebooks uh on my desk so i'm <laughs> i'm still from that ilk uh, we said this before haven't we we're like we're proper old school oh, i'm dave as well yeah, yeah and dave yeah notebooks yeah, yeah. it's just yeah i just like it's like jotting down stuff and i feel like typing it's just a bit more of a chore isn't it it's mm. all really well structured as well as you can tell <laughs> oh by the fact yeah it's all at different angles it's all yeah. over the shop Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm still printing out job specs and writing the names of people that I've put <laughs> on each job. But that, anyway, that very old. Uh, but anyway, it's it's what works, right? But again, like I said, like systems like this and yeah. systems like higher, especially for fast moving, fast paced organisations mm. who are in a bit of a, I want to say a war for talent without sounding too Lord of the Rings here, uh, in a battle. Um, you know, they, they, they're they kind of fighting for, for people within, you know, certain skill sets that may be snapped up very quickly or that, you know, won't be hanging around long on the market. So in order for them to have everything on one kind of platform, one kind of system, and they're able to see, because I think I had a scroll for the website earlier, but like you can actually see like how many days people have been waiting or their kind of CV has been in process, that sort of thing. So it it it, it kind of guides you through each stage, uh, I think, which is good. And, and some of the other applicant tracking systems, they kind of just send you these emails like, hey, go back and do this. And you're like, oh, shut up. Like, you know, I'll just swipe left and delete them. <laughs> I think the big the big strength here is like Jason is not a techie. He says he's not a techie, mm. and the whole there's there there's the whole tranche, isn't there, where he's talking about you know being a non tech founder, which is something that we covered in the podcast over many years. But here it is being applied to recruitment. And I think 
most ATSs to this point are probably yeah. built by recruiters and not technologists. Yeah. And here's someone going, actually, I need I need someone to help me out on the technology to make sure the technology is the the key thing, not mm. the the platform with the workflows and the whatever else, which they're all awful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, workflows, all this sort of stuff. Yeah, it looks good, but in order to get a placement and get someone in hire, yeah. you need good to for fixed. reporting. Yeah, not I mean, so good for necessarily getting someone to join no, your team and no, build your no. company. No, it, it it looks great on a spreadsheet and at the end of the year, you know, with fancy pie charts and graphs and all that. I mean, it, yeah, it looks fantastic. But realistically, if you've lost out on talent and you're not getting through out into people and you're not getting into the market, and the people or the person that is in charge of recruiting is not on top of things, then I mean, you can make all the pie charts in the world. You know, you ain't gonna you ain't gonna do yeah. well. And like, I think obviously the startup level as well, you're so conscious of like making a good brand name for yourself. So say you have like, well, say candidates have a really like dodgy experience and you don't get back to them or, you know, they just have a really sort of negative candidate experience with this organization. Like, I don't know, it's just going to be sort of damaging as they start to sort of scale up and grow. So the fact that, you know, they've made this and it's specifically targeted at obviously the startup and sort of scale up businesses just means that, it's sort of taking more care at that level where, you know, the, the company just want to do a good job, get their name out there and really sort of, you know, establish themselves in like a good way in the market. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Look, uh, let's switch focus to our second interview, which is with Hetty, CEO of Plowshare. And in the Fellowship of the Ring, Tolkien <laughs> puts together a small band of people, like a little startup on a mission with a purpose together. And guess what? It's elves and it's wizards and it's hobbits. So it's diverse. <laughs> what oh are you doing? What are you on, mate? Honestly, have you, have, you, have you spent all night watching Blimmin' Lord of the Rings or something? Anyway. <laughs> hey, look, it's Tolkien Day, right? We're, yeah. we're milking this. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but, but what we realised here is that in, in the Fellowship, uh, inclusion and diversity was really important. Uh, and actually, Hetty's going to take that and, and put it into a proper business setting that isn't ridiculous. So apologies, everyone. But do listen to this. Um, it's super interesting. Um, it's taking innovation from the MOD and taking it into enterprise. So really genuinely very interesting, but making sure that inclusion remains at the heart of that. Akish, Amber, thank you very much for joining us today. No worries. Thanks. So I'm chatting to Hetty Barkworth Nanton. Uh, Hetty, thank you for taking the time to, to join me today. My pleasure. You are the Chief Executive uh, Officer of Plowshare Innovations. Who are Plowshare Innovations? Uh, so Plowshare Innovations is an organisation that takes the innovation, science and technology coming out of the MOD, the Ministry of Defence, and actually increasingly other government departments as well. And we ensure that it gets into the hands of users. And those users might be defence users, um, but they will often be... Um, non-defence users, so civilian usage of defence technology, defence research and science. Um, And ultimately, we're here to ensure that we deliver impact, impact on society, impact on the economy, um, saving lives, um, ensuring that people are properly protected, all of those things. It's the long-term impact and outcomes that we look to drive through our work. So this is interesting. A, a couple of years ago, at the beginning of the pandemic, I interviewed one of the directors at the at NASA at the Goddard Space Flight Center, and they were talking about the jaws of life and how they they were developed for for, for 
uh, I can't remember exactly what it was, but so, something that they needed to be able to do in zero gravity in space. And then yeah. all of a sudden, you've got the fire service using them to to kind of free people from from car wreckage. Is it is that the kind of thing that we're talking? That's about? That's what here? we do. So what? What kind we didn't of didn't do that one, but we might. That would have been good. <laughs> no, let's let's talk about some of the stuff that you can that you have done. Then what? What? What are we? What? What kind of success stories that people might not be aware of have you been involved in? Uh, so let me give you two or three examples. So um, one of the success stories from about five or six years ago um, was where we took um, innovation in terms of a protective um, material to go onto uniforms to protect them from penetration of chemicals and um, other adverse uh, adverse things um, mm. has been put into a spin-out and that spin-out provides, amongst other things, the same technology to protect pretty much all of our mobile phones. Wow, okay. So there's one really little but quite cute example. Um, another example is one of our latest ones actually where um, a 15-year study done in the MOD around looking at the impact of inflammation on the body has now been developed into a spin-out, which uh, is in clinical trial at the moment and has the ability to be able to diagnose sepsis or the onset of sepsis up to three days before symptoms appear, wow. which will save countless lives. Yeah, absolutely. That's incredible. I hope this doesn't come across um, in, a, in, a, in a glib way at all, but... We know that innovation and ideas are benefited by um, diversity, diversity of thought, diversity of people. Um, I don't know exactly how diverse the MOD is, but how do you make sure that the ideas and that Plowshare reflects that diversity and takes those ideas and thinks about how they can be applied to industry in a way that that ensures that it is diverse and that that those ideas are implemented in a way that really benefits society yeah a really good question um, it is a challenge so diversity is a, a challenge for the mod one that they are kind of very much leaning into um, and looking to address but it doesn't happen overnight when i joined plowshare two years ago um i joined an organization that had not had diversity or inclusion because i think the two go hand in hand and really critical um it had not been part of our dna when i joined um, and as a, as a result, exactly to your point, I don't think we had the diversity of perspective, the diversity of thought um, and the diversity of experiences, actually, to have real conviction that we were doing the best with the innovation that we had. But also such that it was actually a great place to work in terms of somewhere where people could genuinely thrive because it was quite one dimensional in terms of the culture. So we set about changing that. Um, we started out two years ago with an organisation that, where 33% of the team were what I would call underrepresented groups, including women. Uh, now, two years later, we have grown, um, but we are now at 77% in terms of underrepresented groups being in the organisation. So that's one very explicit thing that we did in terms of really putting diversity at the heart of our recruitment. Um, and I would never accept a shortlist that did not have diverse that did not have diversity in terms of the candidates. If I get given a shortlist um, and it's not diverse, then I I go back to the drawing board because it's really really fundamentally important. So, started out with that approach in terms of ensuring we have diversity of recruitment and hiring, but it's a lot more than that. So 
over the same period, we've done a lot of work in an inclusive way with the whole organisation around what's our purpose, why are we here? And in order to articulate that, really getting people involved in looking at our values and what we should be about. And as a result of that, we now have a relaunch plowshare, new vision, mission, um, purpose, values, um, that the organisation has been part of building and a diverse organisation has been part of building. And the buzz around here and the feeling and ultimately the increase in diversity of what we do with our innovation is palpable. It really is palpable. And the pace has increased significantly, not to a detrimental effect, but it's a much more healthy heartbeat within the organisation. So that's something that we've done over the last two years and we're now about to grow significantly again and we will do more of that. I think where we will do more work over the next two years is that the whole diversity of thought, diversity of team, diversity of cultures that we've been focused on over the last two years, we now need to take that a step further and look outside rather than inside. So rather than just changing plowshare and how we work, we absolutely need to bring that thinking into the DNA of who we engage with in the outside world, how we engage with them, and make sure that the organisations that we're working with absolutely have the same values in the DNA of what they're doing, because that way together we can be much more successful. So you said there that diversity has been part of your of your ability to, to redefine your purpose and you're asking the question and answering the question why we're there. And you talked about kind of 33% to 77% from minority backgrounds. Is there ever a slight worry that you might kind of see an organization that goes, Oh, we've, we've cracked it. You know, how, how continually do you need to recommit to, to this? How, how difficult or how easy rather would it, could it be to slip back? Yeah. I don't think it's a bit like leadership. I'm always, I'm a, I'm an avid believer that the minute you think you crack leadership you you've probably not cracked it and you're probably a really rubbish leader right because leadership is about what you're doing day in day out and we're all human and we can all do crap things right so it's a bit like it's the same with diversity and inclusion I don't think you it's ever job done I think it it starts to become ingrained in your DNA and therefore it becomes something that everybody's doing rather than just you but you have to be consciously thinking about it all the time, is my view. Now, and, and just to give you an example of the shift that I've seen already, that means that I'm confident that diversity and inclusion will always be part of the way we do business at Plowshare, is that 18 months ago, it was probably really only me and maybe HR who were championing the need for diversity and inclusion on a day-in, day-out basis. With others, they were sort of coming on the journey, but we would have endless debates about what does diversity mean? And as long as you've got diversity of thought, isn't that the most important thing? So lots of debates around it. But now I would say pretty much everybody in the organisation is a diversity and inclusion champion in their own right. And that's when it starts to really accelerate in terms of just the benefit that you can get and also knowing that actually it's something that's living and breathing as an organism with organism within your organization and therefore you know i'm confident that it will continue to live as we move forward you talked about 
looking at the DNA of the organizations which you engage with? Have, have they have they commented on the differences that they've seen over the last couple of years? What, what's been, has, has, has it been perceptible or not to them? Yeah, it definitely has been perceptible. Um, so I get people, so one of our clients is DSTL, the Defence Science and Technology Labs down at Port and Down. We work with them very, very closely. Um, and I'm starting to see different people from those from that organisation reaching out to us um, because we're more open for business and because they know that we're really championing this diversity and inclusion piece and therefore we want to ensure that we are hearing the voices of the unheard, if that makes sense. Um, and mm. so that's that's definitely having a ripple effect. I remember sitting with one of our one of the so one of the ways in which we take innovation to market is we license it to um, existing organizations, usually SMEs. And I can remember sitting in our boardroom actually with one of the latest licensees having this conversation about diversity. And and this guy was like absolutely hearing it and absolutely recognizing that in moving forward, because they are not a diverse organization at the moment, but in moving forward, he is now committed to looking at ways in which he can address that. And and that's that would never have been part of a licensing conversation in the past. It just would not have featured. But I'm confident that as a result of the conversations we've had with them, he is now going to change his behaviour and, and, and therefore we'll start to create that ripple effect. It's interesting because I think there might be some lessons there for all sorts of organisations, especially in consultancy, because you often talk about account managers and how people buy from people and it's not really necessarily about the brand. Brand helps you get through the door, but then it's the account manager and that personal relationship that really matters. Yeah. What you're saying there, to a degree, refutes that. Uh, yeah, well, let me, any any consultancies that are listening to this, um, if you ever want to come and approach me for work, um, I will never appoint a consultancy firm that isn't giving me a diverse team. I just will not do it. Um, and I have turned down some big consultancies on that basis. It's simple, right? If I'm trying to appoint a consultancy firm to work with me on some thought leadership, for example, I don't want thought leadership from an undiverse team. It's as basic as that because I want diversity of thinking and I want different ideas and different perspectives. So why am I going to pay a lot of money for effectively one perspective? Look, it's been it's been a fascinating to chat to you. Thank you for sharing some time, and uh, I hope that, as you said, uh, it's never cracked. I'm sure that you're not going to rest on your laurels, but I hope it continues to move in the right direction. Yeah, lovely to speak to you, David. Thank you very much.